Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. David Hookstead of OutKick.com will join us in 20 minutes. OutKick 360, just like that. We're back, final baby. hour is here. Just like that. We're back. 6th and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Davey Hudson efforting um, Coach Tejas to join us on the show once she gets back from that administrative leave. He doesn't think she's gettable. I think she's attainable as a guest. I think she wants to get her side of the story I do too. Out. I think that because we could be the place she goes to to talk about exactly what's going Nobody on. Nobody else will think to call her because they'll think she's unattainable, but we believe we can get her. Can you imagine if she just came on and said, I'd like to start with the allegations about the girl having a stroke. Yeah. <laughs> Let's start there. It was not a stroke. Uh, here's what happened. And just goes right into it. Just putting more gasoline on, on the flames of her career. <laughs> That's I mean, what at I this point, I don't, I don't know if it can get a, a larger brush fire yeah. than what she's created Now, already. we should say, these are just allegations in the letter from the players, <laughs> and she's not been fired. Is it paid leave? It's administrative leave right now. I'm, How could it not be? I'm, I mean, with these minor allegations? <laughs> I'm guessing it's unpaid. She should be fully I'm guessing paid. it's unpaid. If it's not paid, they're, they're getting a GoFundMe ready for her within the locker room. Uh, based on their and these girls love to raised. play for um, a lot of buyout money has been spent already in college football and yes it has we have uh, outkick 360's best available jobs based on coaching openings right now best we're gonna, available jobs we're going to update five. this for yeah for power five we will update this as more jobs become open for instance what's going to happen on this graphic is it's going to the names are going to get a lot smaller yeah. because there's going to be more involved in the coming weeks so we have five right now and and chad you want to go in descending order with yeah. the five power go, fives that are open let's go worst to first on this let's start with colorado yeah I, I think colorado is a beautiful campus i've yes. long that's said, the number one thing going for i it. don't understand why they're not better in in football but then you start reading about colorado from people that cover the program it's a bad recruiting a footprint in the state of Colorado. It's an administration not always committed to football excellence. It's been a long time since Bill McCartney was pumping a bunch of players to the NFL out of the Colorado program. So they've got a lot of issues, and they're in the Pac-12, which is not in a great spot for the future of college football with conference realignment and conference power. Arizona State, I could say a lot of the same things about it that I said about Colorado. A cool place to go to school. One of the top party schools in America. A lot of beautiful people go to Arizona State. It is a, a football stadium that I don't believe is on campus. But if it is, it's, it's not, not a great stadium. It's, it's an campus. older, yeah, it's an older stadium. Um, there's a lot of but issues it's there. Very and accessible. It's the having been there, the Titans practiced there um, over a week span. Whenever they had a, a trip with practice the Cardinals, fields were thoroughly unimpressive. Yeah, uh, yeah, that that is true. <laughs> that it was nowhere close to what we. Would expect in a Power Five when you, if you think of Alabama or I'm thinking Arizona, and I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be immaculate. It was not. It was 
It was rocky. Dirt. So you're but saying there's some issues there. They stayed there the all week um, with uh, games in in Glendale with the Cardinals and then San Francisco. And a disastrous trip that was the end of the Mike Malare, uh, Malarkey. Yeah. Malocus era. Uh, but, but a very nice area, Chad. I'm with you. I'm also with you on Colorado, and I'm shocked that somehow Colorado is worse than Colorado State, who, I mean – they're losing games left and right this season. The state's having and a real Colorado is worse uh, as a program, top to bottom. They're making right Nathaniel now. Hackett look good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the Broncos look great compared to the rest of their, uh, their college. They're, I mean, right now, they're on a track to one of the worst Power Five teams yeah. of, in history. Um, that, that's saying a lot, but they, they are on a path to do that. So not, not good for Colorado right now. So Colorado, Arizona State, the two Pac-12 openings, I've got, we've got it five and four. Number three, Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech's got a lot of the same issues that you hear about a number of places that you look at and say, man, they should be better, right? There's not, there's a question about commitment. There's a question about fan base. What there's not a question about is location. Place is smack dab in the middle of a recruiting footprint that's better than almost anyone else in America when you look at the athletes around Atlanta and in, mm-hmm. just in the city of Atlanta, in Fulton County alone, the players you could get to Georgia Tech. Uh, really good academic school, great engineering school, obviously, but had their struggles as a football program, especially here recently. And think about going from Paul Johnson's triple option system to a pro style system under Jeff Collins. It was an utter disaster. They had to go back to, to the triple. And see, option. and that that, but what you have to do if you do that, Paul, is patience, because to do that, they're going to be awful for a few years before you get the players needed to run that system. So, look, I I, I will go. I will raise my hand right now and say, and, and I saw someone. I forget the the person that said this, but they said it's time for Georgia Tech to hire a black coach. And they've never had one. And normally I would say, you don't hire someone just based on color and you want to find the right coach. But I agree with the person saying that. It's time to do that at Georgia Tech. This is a city in the middle of African-American culture in America. Go hire Deion Sanders. Pay what it takes to get him to leave Jackson State to go to Georgia Tech. You want some pizzazz? You want some recruits? I, I think that's a move they should make. I don't buy it for Auburn. You know, with with Deion Sanders, which is getting some starting to get a little momentum, also, but I buy it at Georgia Tech. So Georgia Tech, beyond who they hire, it is a chance to really hit the reset button. You know, you know how like the old Nintendos uh, would jam up, and you had to like take the cartridge out and blow on it, and put yep. it back in, and reset it, shake it. That's what the smack. <laughs> that's the side what they need. They need they need a reset um, because they don't need to go through the same old thing. They have the most to gain of any program on this list, in my opinion, because we're headed into a new era of college football. And where they are in the ACC compared to some of the other conferences, where if you're in the Big Ten of the SEC and you make this list, you're fine. Like As far as the coach and where you're going to be and the program and the trajectory, you're locked in. The ACC looks like they are, but are they? Like If they decide to do something a decade from now, Where's Georgia Tech in the mix if you start to say value of programs based on conferences? That, that's, that's it. I think we know where Arizona State and Colorado sit. Georgia Tech has a chance to take a different path. Well, and Georgia Tech years ago left oh, yeah, the SEC well willingly for the ACC. Think right. about that move right. now. Yes. They, they were in the SEC. They would have been a founding member of the conference, 
and they'd be just fine in the city of Atlanta, and they left for the ACC years ago. Here's a hindsight move. Yeah. Um, Number two, a team you know well, Chad. Yeah, it's this goes back to if you're in the Big Ten or SEC, you're, you're, you should be okay. This is also where the problems come in, though, because once better jobs within your conference or the other conference open up, you go down the pecking order. Nebraska was number one until Wisconsin opened up on Sunday. I got Nebraska at number two. A lot of things to like about Nebraska. You don't have to worry about fan support. You don't have to worry about monetary support with some of their boosters with, with fat pockets. Chad, what's, fat their, wallets what's they're the gonna sellout streak right now? It's like 300 and something games. Preposterous. It's been going on since I think the 70s, early 70s, late going 60s. Going into last week, they were about 1,000 short, and then they got the tweets going, and they kept it going. I, uh, this is another topic for another day. Paul, I mentioned this to you at some point. At what point does loyalty backfire? Because th- the this is a program Nebraska that discovers should not other be, well, they, they should not be selling tickets. They but, should be forcing decisions to be made by not buying the tickets. Now, the Scott Frost decision was made, so it doesn't matter. So and it I'm was all one of their own. Them. I think there's more yeah, loyalty I'm, there. I'm all for them continuing the streak and supporting Mickey Joseph and you know the players that are there I, and whatever now the rest of the season, but... I mean, I don't know what tier of coach they're getting, like realistically where the expectations are, expectation-wise versus real realism here. But knowing that, knowing that you're going into a program where you're not going, you, you don't have to be the marketing director. You know, you don't really have to do. You just need to show up and play football. No, yeah. the, there's. Th- this is you can be a ball coach. Spot on. This is the great thing. This is not James Franklin taking over Vanderbilt. This is not. I mean, name the job. Well, this use is, a different one. Use like uh, Miami, a oh, once great school yeah. That's, yeah, that's fallen upon hard times Mario, where Cristobal has right. to sell it again. You don't have to sell it again at Nebraska to the home fans. No. You have to sell it nationally as well, a national power again. I'll give you another one. Lane Kiffin calling out his fans. Right. And setting up a great atmosphere for a home game at 11 a.m. with Kentucky. And he said, I've been on Twitter. I've done all these things, and it, it must I've not matter. I've done everything, and it, no well, one's here in the Lane second half. Well, that's Lane Kiffin doing that, marketing his program at Ole Miss. So never have to worry about that at Nebraska. you got people that handle that for you. But even those people don't really need to do it because – if you have a game and People you're the big red, you're the Huskers, they're going to show up. They're going to watch on TV. They're going to support across that state. Chad. So that's the good news for Nebraska. Great facilities about to get better. Uh, they're building, I think, some new football buildings on campus also. A great fan base. Good history. Seems like ancient history now. Bad recruiting footprint. That's really the problem with Nebraska. Now, I'll argue with anyone that says, you know, well, you can't get any players from the state. No, you can. You can still get linemen in the state of Nebraska. They're available for you in some of these small farm towns. Well, even in Omaha and Lincoln, you can you can build your lines around the state of Nebraska. You got to go elsewhere to get other towns. Well, and just look at what Arkansas was, and then what they are now. You know, we're now measuring them against Bama. We're measuring them against A and M instead of measuring them against the bottom half of the SEC. We're in, yeah. not even we're in the top third of the SEC is how we're measuring them now. That's where Nebraska can can be. That's the the realist expectation uh from the outside looking in, right? The the realism here again versus the coaches that are going to be mentioned. They need a Sam Pittman. They don't need to go hire uh Urban Meyer, right? Like there there's a different level there whenever I see these lists that are created. How close were you whenever you were giving your opinion on this list, Chad? 
of putting Nebraska one and Wisconsin two? I wasn't very close to it. Uh, I know. I, I want to say Stuart Mandel, who I read at the, Just based at the on Athletic. Like he put a he put a poll out that was what's the better job, Nebraska or Wisconsin? And last check, it was eighty four percent Wisconsin. Okay, over Nebraska. And I, and I don't disagree with our, our list here, but one program's won a title. No, you're right. That's a, and we're going to talk to Dave Hookstead about this. And I'm going to bring this up. Um, be careful what you wish for in firing Paul Christ because. We brought this up yesterday, and I, Davey Hudson said, oh, I think they won one uh, under Alvarez, right? No. I don't think they came close to winning one under Barry Alvarez. This is not a national championship winning program. They claim one national title in 1942 during World War II uh, where one voting member voted them. One publication voted them as national champions that year. So I, I get that. Here's the issue, though. Since Nebraska moved to the Big Ten, let's compare the programs. It's All not fair. even close. All fair. Wisconsin's light years better in the Big Ten. Nebraska was great in the Big Eight. Nebraska was really good in the Big 12 for a time. Uh, Nebraska has not been good since moving to the Big Ten, and that's where Wisconsin has an advantage. But Wisconsin can win its division with semi-regularity. So can Nebraska. And, well, it hasn't been, though. No. Wisconsin has been. And, and look, I know it hasn't happened, but if you could do what's been done at Wisconsin, you figure once in a blue moon you can pull an upset in the championship game. And that's what Wisconsin I, is. I'm not, say, I'm not telling the Wisconsin fans to not want to win a national title. I mean, that's the one thing they, need, they want to accomplish yeah, that they haven't. Right. They should be striving to do that. It's possible. But to Hutton's point, you got one program that's got a bunch of them in their history and ancient, one that doesn't, ha- that history, doesn't have any. Um, so... It's a long time ago for Nebraska. 1997 was their last night national championship. So the landscape's changed a ton. It's, it's 25 years. It's, Same it, for Tennessee. It's yeah. different. Did Tennessee's but in the mix. I would also, you know, you could argue that is Wisconsin really a 2022 modern program? The way they run things, well, and the way they play offense. I mean, are, I think they could point, be different and be good in that way. You're also saying, if you run the same way, like, be careful what you wish for. What 67 and 26 was the record with Paul Christ. Who they just fired? Yeah, so yep. It's very Pelini-ish. Yeah, I mean, man, that that's that's not bad. I know what three division titles in seven years, or um, and you want more. You all the fan bases always want more. That's why they're willing to pay all this money in these buyouts. Here's the buyout meter uh, as we take a look at the you money. Have spent. to allow for a down so, year. Chris is that going to be at the top of this list with sixteen point four million? And I pointed out yesterday they negotiated this number down to this, eleven. Right? I don't know. Has that been official? I, this, I, I, let me 11. look it up. I think it it's 11. down to 11, 11. which so shocked me that he is, took a $5 million and that's, discount. Yes, and that's why I said I think it was more mutual than anything where he was just like, yeah, I'll, uh, get me out of here. You know, We're, we're going to have this meeting and I'm going to get on with my life. But you never see coaches that are negotiated down like this unless there's some type of infraction behind the scenes, you yeah, know, where you're, you're trying to get fired. That's fishy to me. Yeah, again, Something 16.4. else is going on that I feel like Wisconsin may have had on him that said, we can go fight this for cause about yeah, I, something else that happened or is going again, on. Again, I don't know that. Maybe, we don't want to do David, that, so take this instead. David Hookstead may know more on this, but and, and he may have a, a better theory. But 16.4 and negotiating it down to 11, that's odd in today's college football landscape. You get paid to fail in this profession. And you don't get paid less in your buyout based on what, what your contract reads. Just ask Scott Frost. He's getting paid $15 million 
and he was falling. Hell, they far did worse. it early for Scott Frost, who if they stuck with right. him a couple games more, it would have come down. Which would have been now, this week, it would have dropped. Um, Jeff Collins, eleven point four million dollar buyout at Georgia Tech. Herm Edwards, nine point four million dollar buyout at Arizona State, and Carl Durrell with eight point seven. Worst program, one of the worst Division One and in, in Power Five programs. Period is Colorado, and Carl Durrell, who took that job, gets paid eight point seven to leave a bad program. Well, here's what's crazy about that: who who thinks Carl Durrell is leaving for a better gig? He was granted a lifeline as the head coach at Colorado. I don't put any buyout in that. Right. Take the job or not, dude. We're paying you well. You're not going to get another head coaching gig. They just got turned down before they hired Carl Durrell by Eric Bieniemy for $4 million a year. Eric Bieniemy is going to be a name to watch at Colorado. Why? Because he's not getting a sniff for a head coaching job in the NFL. And that's why he... Turned it down a couple years ago. Yeah, they're going to go back after Eric Bieniemy, an alum of Colorado, I would guess, to see if he wants it this go That's around. That's a name to watch at Colorado. Well, their worst case scenario, I, I can almost see it on this end. Chad is they hire him, and he's great, which is the only circumstance where you'd want, you know, then you don't want somebody to come and get him. I want a one way buyout thing there. Uh, somebody would have to buy you out if you were good and they wanted to come and yep. hire you. But I'm not paying you to fire you. Well, yeah, no. I, uh, I, you also have to have a coach <laughs> that wants to coach your program. Yeah, I, I uh, think the problem, I mean, if Colorado's going to get any coach of any substance, I mean, good for them for not anything, being at the top of this list. If they're, if they're going to get a coach with actual options that yeah. could stay at a good job or go to another good job, they're going to have to offer a buy. So, Let's, because it's a it's a bad situation to yeah, inherit. Right yeah, you now. have to. There's some protection there if you're going to bounce. Um, uh, just looking at the interim coaches real quick. Uh, Sean Aguano is the interim. He's 0-2 now as the interim at Arizona State since Herm Edwards was fired. No chance. Uh, Mike Sanford is interesting to me at Colorado. He was the head coach at Western Kentucky, then the offensive coordinator at Utah State before taking this job. Wasn't he at Boise State for a time too? Um, I think he was the quarterback there, wasn't he? I Am feel I like he else? has a... I'll, no, I I'll, think he's a former quarterback I'll at look Boise. it back. I want to say he was OC or quarterback coach there also. Um, again, like I, I'm intrigued by what he does because there's no expectation at Colorado. And if you have the players playing hard for you, do you see it there on his bio? Um, Brent, up right now, yeah. Brent Key, I would also say, has a shot because it's Georgia Tech, and maybe they don't think outside the box. He's 1-0. They just beat Pitt. Uh, Mickey Joseph is the interim at Nebraska, and Jim Leonard is at Wisconsin, where he's Jim Leonard's... definitely getting an audition. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's the interim he's there. He's being mentioned at Nebraska. Yeah. So they, yeah. they make the move there. Mike Sanford uh, was... He's an alum, right? He's been a lot of places. Yeah. Graduate assistant at UNLV, coached at Stanford, coached at Yale, coached at Western Kentucky, went back to Stanford for three years. He was OC at Boise State for one year. Okay. And then he went to Notre Dame. That's where I remember him. He was hired at Notre Dame from Boise. So he was at Notre Dame as OC for two years. Then he got the head coaching gig at Western Kentucky. Then Utah State, Minnesota, now Colorado. Yeah, that that's a good one to watch. He's got a good resume. He's, like, he's 40. In I mean, terms of places he's been already in his career. Um, for Nebraska, look south. The state of Kansas. Who is Kansas coached by? Who is Kansas State coached by? Kansas has Lance Leipold, a guy who's won at many levels where you have to win with less and do more with less. 
Chris Kleiman at Kansas State, same thing, hired from North Dakota State to go to Kansas State. They are rocking and rolling with your quarterback right now. Adrian Martinez joined a group in passing and rushing touchdowns this past week in back-to-back games that included Lamar Jackson and Cam Newton in college. He's the third quarterback to achieve such a feat. I think it's consecutive 300-yard passing games with seven rushing TDs over the course of two weeks. So don't that's not going to get everybody excited, but look at the job Kleiman has done at Kansas State. Look at what Lance Leipold is doing. I would strongly consider either one of those guys to come into Nebraska and fix whatever's going on with, with whatever Scott Frost did at Nebraska, which, by the way, now includes some reports out there that he wasn't showing up to practice on time. Really? In his time at Nebraska. That's odd, man. That's uh, Bruce Feldman on Fox said the, the, the day they were in Lincoln right after he was fired that there's a lot of people close to Scott Frost that said he listened to the wrong people. He got surrounded by some people that weren't on the football staff and his he allowed, own university. Which he allowed is, himself the, to listen to some of these people hmm. and make decisions based on what they were saying. Uh, coming up, we will listen to David Hookstead, OutKick.com uh, writer, columnist. He'll join us. We'll dive into the Big Ten. There's still a lot of football to be played in the Big Ten West. Wisconsin's 0-2 in the conference. Uh, you've got Northwestern at 1-1, and and then there's a, a bunch of teams at 1-1. Uh, throughout, we'll we'll see his take on where Wisconsin is going to look after Jim Leonard gets the audition, and then we'll talk Nebraska and other big matchups for the coming season. David Hookstead is next on Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Across the Outkick Network, glad you're with us. Outkick 360 with David Hookstead now. Outkick.com. The Wisconsin helmet's in the backdrop. You can't see it yet, but you will. David, how are you? Good. How are yourself? Can't complain, man. Uh, how'd you do in fantasy this week? I beat Clay. Uh, it oh. wasn't looking good. It wasn't looking good, actually, at one point, but uh, I, I pulled it out at the last second. So there Clay went down with another loss. Uh, Chad and I also avoided the lowest score, so we're for that. We're very, very thankful. Lost my first game, three and one now, but uh, but yeah, did not get the lowest score. Um, David, you were pretty adamant about Wisconsin needing to move on from Paul Christ uh, over the weekend. I, I look at the overall record and I think I-, I don't see what the problem is here. This seems like his first really bad season, unless you count the 2020 COVID year where they were four and three. Uh, but this season certainly headed in, in a, on a bad trajectory. So what else is going on around the program that you felt like this had to be done? Well, to me and Wisconsin fans everywhere, it was just an obvious slide. I heard you guys talking about his 67 and 26 record. He wins more than 72% of his games. That's all true. Those are facts. You can't debate them. But they're a little bit misleading when you just look at the numbers, and here's why. Chris in his first three seasons went 34 and 7. 
In his last 25 games, he's 15 and 10. So we have not just seen a slide in a, in a regression. We've seen a serious slide in regression where we went from dominating the Big Ten West to winning only eight, nine games a year and losing to teams we shouldn't. I know it's crazy to say only winning nine games a year, but you can't go 34 and seven and then regress to a 15 and 10 in your last 25 and expect fans to tolerate it. And, and he had to go and he had to go soon because the Big Ten's getting an infusion of cash. We're going to UCLA and USC soon. The divisions are going to get eliminated. Wisconsin had it easy. It's going to get harder. And with the regression and the difficulty coming up, a change had to be made. What uh, what happened with the buyout? Why would he come down on the buyout? What's his incentive to drop roughly $5 million there? Well, it's actually even more than that. So they initially said the buyout was 16.4. Then it was reported today when the school released the info. It was actually more than 20. And he got it down to 11. So he reportedly, given the information the school gave to the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, left $9 million on the table. And that's the biggest mystery. Now, he's got to get that money by February 1st, 2023, in a lump sum, all $11 million. So I look at that and I say, okay, he didn't want to take the 20 over 5. Taking the 11 rather quickly indicates he wants to go get another job and kind of cash in because he has a duty to mitigate, obviously. So he, he wants the money up front, the $11 million up front and then get a different job elsewhere would be my guess. That's pure speculation. So I hate that my mind goes here, uh, but I immediately think that Wisconsin has something on him, whether it be violations or something else, that they could tell him, hey, we could do something for cause here, so you need to take $10 million less. That's a lot of money to turn down just because you want to go get a job quicker and get that money up front. But you're not hearing anything of, of those sorts, right, David? Yeah, I haven't heard anything of that sort whatsoever. And if we are cheating and there are violations, we're not cheating very well because <laughs> we just got bulldozed by Illinois. So I don't know if that's the case. It's confusing. No one understands it. He hasn't. Paul Christ has not said anything about it publicly. The school won't really give details as to why it happened. But yes, that's a great question. And I would love an answer as would the entire state of Wisconsin. It's a ton of money. David Hookstead, our guest from Outkick.com. You can also check out the podcast, American Joyride. Um, replacement, is Leonard, he, he's the interim, is he right now the the betting favorite? Is that who the fans are hoping ends up with this because that means that Wisconsin turns things around? So I think if you asked fans three weeks ago if they'd want Leonard, you'd probably have a 99% yes rate. Now after the Ohio State game, the Illinois game, I, I think some have soured, but to answer your question as simply as possible, if they finish the season with seven wins, maybe even six wins, Jim Leonard's not going anywhere. That interim tag will be taken off. The question is, what happens if they don't win another game? If they only win two games, where do they look after that? I think Lance Leopold will be hands down the first call they make. But fans like Jim Leonard. He's put together great defenses with recruits that simply are are way below the level of guys at Ohio State and Michigan top-level teams, but yet he puts together top-five defenses uh, multiple times. We like him. We love him. He's a great coach. He needs to win some games, though, to, to be the permanent guy. What other names do you like when you've, when you've seen them? And then what I'm curious, like, we, we, we can see all these lists all day. Where, where does, where's the line of demarcation between pipe dream and realism for Wisconsin? Well, if, if, if everything goes south with Leonard, Lance Leopold should be the goal. I think Lance Leopold, he's from Wisconsin. He coached at the University of Wisconsin in the 90s as a grad assistant for two or three years. He was a head coach at a D3 school, UW-Whitewater, won six national titles there. 
He's from the area. He has ties to the community, and he's a proven winner. He took Buffalo to three straight bowl games. He has Kansas 5-0. and You know, you can't really say he's coming home because he didn't play for the Badgers, but in a sense, he's a Wisconsin guy. Um, so Lance Leopold's number one. I think Chris Peterson, I, do you call him and say, hey, are you okay being you know on TV that long? I think that's a bit of a stretch. I think Chris Peterson made it clear he doesn't want to coach football anymore. I think Leopold's your number one, Dave Aranda, former DC for the Wisconsin Badgers, former defensive coordinator. Another phone call you probably make. From there, Leonard Aranda and Leopold, I think, are going to be the three names everyone talks about. Um, I don't think Nick Saban's going to come, unfortunately. <laughs> so, yeah. It, 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 so, the that was a joke when you tweeted that. I know message board geniuses had some fun with that. And I saw that and I'm thinking, it, please tell me this is the, the we need the joking font on the end of that when, when you tweeted I, it. I didn't. I thought when I said our great academics and our beautiful campus, it would be clear I was not being serious. But apparently, uh, that flew over a lot of people's heads. I got it. I, I'm curious. Um, you're you're mentioning a lot of the same names that Nebraska would be saying. Is the timing of this also coincide with they want to make sure that Leonard's not their guy and that they don't let Leonard leave to Nebraska before they had a chance to keep him? I think the fact that Nebraska has a job opening right now is probably a major reason Wisconsin made this move when when we did, because you, you, we need to know right now if Leonard's the guy. And if he's not the guy, then we got to go get Lance Leopold, who Nebraska is going to likely make a very, very, very strong offer to. If Scott Frost is coaching in Nebraska, Paul Chris might still be coaching in Wisconsin because the guys we want, to your point, are the same people Nebraska's looking at. So in anything, you want to go first in a situation like this. And we're going to give Leonard the chance. And we're probably talking to Leopold's agent. I would assume we're foolish if we're not already. Um, I think it de- the timing definitely is, is important. Let me give you the nightmare scenario for Wisconsin fans. Jim Leonard is on Nebraska's shortlist also. What if Wisconsin mm-hmm. decides to hire someone else and Nebraska hires Jim Leonard and he sticks it to Wisconsin in that division for the next 10 to 15 years? after being passed over by his alma mater. that I, I don't think that's going to happen, but I, I always think about the worst possible outcome of something. From a Wisconsin perspective, how bad would that sting? Well, uh, watching Brett Bielma come into Camp Randall and beat us by 24 points felt like repeated punches to the gut. Watching uh, Leonard leave to Nebraska to dominate us for a decade and a half would probably feel like your head got taken off. So it would be unbearable pain. It would be... And, and then the AD, you got to fire the AD if that situation unfolds. How do you think the, the division actually shakes up where you've got 0-2 Wisconsin right now in the West and then everyone else 1-1? One one? Yeah, I think you have two clear-cut teams that I think are likely going to make a run for it. Minnesota and Purdue, obviously, they just played each other. Purdue won. I think when you look at what they've done, when you look at what Minnesota's done, they're they're very talented. They've been playing really well. Purdue has the second-best quarterback in the Big Ten and Aiden O'Connell. The, the problem is for the rest of the Big Ten West, it's bad. Um, now, could Illinois actually rattle off a bunch of wins here and turn out to be way better than everyone thinks? Possible. I don't think it's likely. Iowa can't score on the four of us if we were on the field playing defense, so they're definitely not going to make any noise. Northwestern's terrible. So I would, I would say you got 1A, 1B, Minnesota, and Purdue, and then right behind them, probably, frankly, Illinois. Is there, just looking long-term right now, with the coaching setup at every Big Ten West program, 
Is there something that would concern you, you know, from Wisconsin? Is there someone you're hiring against? Do, do you worry about P.J. Fleck in Minnesota? Do you worry about Brom at Purdue? Or are you really just worried about what exactly is Nebraska going to do? Because I've long believed that if it should be Nebraska-Wisconsin at the top of that division if all things are right. That that should be Nebraska's chief competition and vice versa in that division. So how do you look at this long-term with those programs and their leadership right now? Well, I can promise you one thing the people in the uh, Wisconsin Athletic Department and the state as a whole don't do, and that's spend one second worrying about the people in Minnesota. So we're not worried about P.J. Fleck. It's absolutely 100% Nebraska. Like to your point, when Nebraska joined the Big Ten, everyone thought Nebraska was going to come in and dominate. And instead what happened is they got they got railroaded by the Badgers for a long time. Now we've lost a step. Is Nebraska going to hire a great coach that elevates them to where they were when Bo Pelini was there, Frank Solich. I don't think we worry about anyone other than Nebraska because, frankly, no one other than Nebraska has the resources in the Big Ten West to build a powerhouse program. David Hookstead, Outkick.com, our guest. Um, but to your point from earlier, the divisions are going away, right? The talk is – so what's the focus on the division and where you stack up versus what's to come? Well, we're talking about what's to come when the divisions are gone and, you you know, then you kind of have a free-floating schedule when USC comes and UCLA. Then the Nebraska concern obviously isn't as much, right. but we don't know we don't know exactly when that's going to happen, to be clear. That's not – there's no concrete decision made. But to, to that point, that's why I think this decision with Chris was made because we, we were playing in a cozy division. We play against Purdue, Northwestern, Illinois, teams we should, we should beat regularly. It's going to get way harder. We're going to have to play Penn State more often. We're going to have to play Ohio State more often, USC. That's why when the regression came, you got to make a change before things get more difficult because if we're struggling now, you stack up some of those Big Ten East teams and it could get real ugly if we – if we maintain the current trajectory. Tell us about American Joyride and it's something you've been doing for a bit and now it's available at outkick.com. Yeah, so American Joyride is a show podcast. You can all catch it at outkick.com, outkick YouTube. We highlight unique American stories. We've been doing a lot of war heroes. I have uh, Chris Kyle, uh, his partner. I'm interviewing him on Friday, this upcoming Monday, Brad Thomas, who's a former operator in the unit. And I've, I've talked to him before. He's a great guy. And we have some major guests coming up. Guys who love America, the goal of the show is I want to give people something to believe in again with the USA. Awesome. Uh, we'll be checking it out, man. And we see it during our, our breaks as well. So uh, keep up the great work. Thank you. Hey, Thanks, hey, David. Uh, uh, good luck this weekend in the Fantasy League, unless you're playing uh, me. I'm not sure. If you are, you don't need luck. I mean, my team's <laughs> awful. Thanks. So, yeah. and, and good luck to Wisconsin yeah. in the coaching search also. Thank you. I appreciate it. We need it. Thanks. Can we uh, give him any more compliments on the way out? There's uh, there's David Hookstead. And, I like and your hoodie luck. also. <laughs> Great God, helmet. God bless chairs. <laughs> uh, Outkick.com is where you can read his work. And again, hey, good luck this weekend. Check also. out American Joyride. God bless God. One other thing. Good luck yeah. with dinner tonight too, David. <laughs> one, one more good luck. We just keep, let's just spend the last 20 minutes of the show wishing different people around good luck on different things. Hey, maybe you're looking for some luck in your next bet. Outkick.com slash bet is where you can go for all of the great offers uh, through DraftKings. Just log on to Outkick.com slash bet and you'll see all the odds. It's self-explanatory when you get there. Tabs, drop downs. You can place all the bets, find all the parlays, and uh, great, uh, great offers to take advantage of. Again, outkick.com slash bet. Stay tuned. We've got 
a look ahead for tomorrow and also what's on tap tonight. We'll update you on what Aaron Judge has done today with the Yankees. Why Chad's a little bit nervous, not totally off. He's more nervous. Well, I'll, I'll tell you why. I, this is. I'll give you a scenario where I, I could be very nervous tomorrow. tomorrow. Not nervous yet, yeah. but nervous. after last night, I could preview two days away being very nervous. He's nervous. We're talking about the Braves. That's next, and now kick three sixty. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick network with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine live from 6th and Peabody in downtown Nashville. Paul, located where? Located at Peabody and 6th. That's where you can find... All the, sorts the, of moonshine and Yeehaw yeah. Beer. And the pre-nerves of Chad Withrow. Not oh, nervous yet. I, before we get to my nerves, can I he's share lying. something I just received via message on social media from a, a listener? Oh, sure. Slash viewer of the show? Yeah. Um... Paul Christ, and this is from a, a financial advisor who's watching okay. our show. Okay, Help me with the numbers here, guys, please. From an advisor standpoint, I would take $11 million now instead of $20 million over five years. Less taxes now. Invest while the market is so down. In five years, you realistically would have well over $20 million, Plus, he's going to get another job and paycheck next season. Just my opinion. What and kind thinking, of job is he getting next nine year? That's $9 million that you're not relying on any investment or stock market. I understand you're paying taxes on that, that $9 million, but take the, that's a know. lot I, of money to not get I, over five years. I would trust the years. financial advisor, but at the same time, I, I'm not an advisor I don't myself, regularly hear coaches taking less on buyouts. I, so I, that's I bring that to you guys just to ask the question because I had never thought about that, but... I'd still I understand the con, the pr premise of what he's saying. Take all of it now, or in the next few months. All of what you can get. Yeah, and then but that's still we're not accounting for nine million dollars over the following four years being divvied out in whatever monthly or bi monthly installments to you. Almost. Also, how much is he going to make at this new job? He's not going to make a lot of money. He's now. not going to make as much as he was making it as the head coach of Wisconsin well, no, for his next job. He'll make more on his plan to failure. I mean, his next buyout's probably going to be more. I mean, <laughs> I mean, the buyouts are only going up. They're not going down. But, I mean, he's going to get that buyout wherever he goes, regardless of yeah. what he takes with this yeah. one. So that it wouldn't negate anything. I'm, uh, the, the money that's thrown around on these 
I, I don't when well, you want to get a, anyway, get rid of a coach. So here's the route for me being nervous. Okay. Yeah. Braves lost four nothing last night. Not a huge deal. Mets didn't play last night. Got rained out. They're playing right now. They're up three nothing. Last I saw over the Nationals. Doubleheader today for the Mets. The Mets win both games today, and the Braves lose tonight with Jake Odorizzi pitching for the Braves. It sets up a must win for the Braves the next night. Now, the Mets could theoretically lose the final game of the season to the Nationals. Don't think that'll happen if they win both games today. And then that would also give the division to the Braves, but there is a scenario, and Brian Snicker was asked about this, where Max Fried is available to pitch tomorrow if needed. The hope is they just win tonight or the Mets lose one of these two and he will not be needed and you can save him you know, over a week for game one of their series with the winner of that three-game series between the Cardinals and the Phillies. But there's also, this is the, I'm looking at worst-case scenario, right, at all times. What's the worst-case scenario? You use up your pitching. They have to pitch Freed. Freed loses, and then you've lost Freed for the three-game series. You now have to go a day later, one day off, go back to Atlanta, play a three-game series with whoever, and then uh, the Padres. Padres. And then you don't have your ace for that three-game series. Against that lineup. Yeah, it's some... Yeah, not, uh, not ideal. It's a chess Win game. Win tonight. Again, just go beat the Marlins tonight, and you're not going to have to worry about it. Take it into your own hands and win the game and play this game tonight like a playoff game. Um, this Braves group doesn't have a lot of nerves in big games. They showed that in their World Series run last year. They showed that in a three-game sweep of the Mets. Last night was felt like kind of a throwaway game, honestly, watching some of it. They're also playing these games in Miami in front of about 35 people. So it's not exactly postseason One atmosphere. One of them is J.P. Yes. And who's calling the game? Uh, His production crew actually makes up half the attendance. <laughs> Aaron Judge, one for five in the early game of a doubleheader today in Texas. Not helping his batting average. The other thing that's not helping him win the uh, average part of the Triple Crown is that Luis Areza or whatever this guy's name is in Minnesota, is not playing. He hasn't played since October 1st, sitting on his nice uh, 316 batting average with uh, maybe a little hamstring. How disappointing. Suck it up and get on the field and take your at-bats, How disappointing is it if he does not hit a home run tomorrow? It's disappointing. He's got another game today, so he's got two games today and tomorrow. So he's got two games to get get one. To get one. 62. Yeah, and I want this Minnesota guy to take some at-bats. Get up there and ground out. I kind of respect Like a man. <laughs> like, you know what? Uh, you ever hear the Ted Williams story? Doubleheader, oh, six for yeah. eight. Great story. Instead of sitting and hitting 400 by not playing. Read that. Have somebody read your nighttime story tonight. This, uh, this stat from Grant McCauley on social, uh, on Twitter, the Braves are the only team in Major League Baseball that has not been swept this season. They're aiming to become just the sixth team since 1990 to go an entire year without being swept. The first team to do so in a full season um, – since 2004 with the Braves. That would be remarkable, but... They've lost three games in a row once all year. That's it. One time they've lost three games in a row. They would take them losing three in a row to the Marlins. We have sat at a desk with Chad many times. You more than me because you did that show last year outside. And watching Chad sweat is something remarkable. Once the sweat starts, (laughs) it's not going to stop. And if we were to watch Chad sweat this out, it would be remarkable. Once my sweat starts, it's not going to stop until it's done. Until it's done sweating. My body's done sweating. Then it'll be done, but not not before then. Um, Here's another remarkable stat about the Braves. 
They do not have one sacrifice bunt all season. They would be the first team wow. to play 162 games and not have you should be ashamed. a sacrifice bunt. You love bunt. small ball? They, I watched it last night, and Money Mike Harris, uh, with no strikes, tried a sack oh, bunt. To get a guy to third and fouled it off, and then he swung away. Was he? Was that? So they a brought call that stat bump? up. I knew that stat going <laughs> or was in. Was he doing that on his own? The TV broadcast did that. No, they asked him to do it one time, and then with one strike, he swung away. That's a credit to their lineup. More than anything, now they don't have pitcher batting oh, because they, they just, Americanized their lineup. Yeah, I don't he, mean nationality wise. I mean even, style of even ball. Even American play. league teams, all of them have had a sacrifice bunt every year. First team ever to not have one sacrifice That's, punt in a season. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. Yes. Um, I didn't think it was real when I read that stat. Pujols hit 703 last night. Then passed Babe Ruth. In RBI. Um, so he's crazy. He hit 703. Um, where I, I can't get over the fact that at the All Star break, he was like, he was like the. Uh, he was like the the court jester. I know. You know, it was like, oh, look at here. We're gonna roll up the red carpet for this one at bat. He's man. in the he's in the home run derby. This is the swan song. Where's Albert's wheelchair? Yeah. Someone wheel yeah. him out here Get so out we can here. take he's these good. cuts. I'm not gonna lie, I don't like him passing Babe Ruth. Do you need a blanket? The <laughs> They're putting a blanket over him. <laughs> it's getting a little chilly out here at night since the sun. Where's went down his shawl? Over. Well, they were. I mean, they, he was like he nearly pulled a bicep or something. Like he was swinging so much. He was looking at his wrist that night. You know, he's. I'm, I'm thinking. Is it wrong that I don't like him passing Babe Ruth? I mean, what doctor's office did he go into? Like, yeah, if you're going to go in, I'm, I'm not even saying like, yeah. but like at his age, I, I need to unlock that now that I'm officially over the hill and I turned 40 this year. I need to get, I need to get on that plan. I love you, babe. Oh, no, he officially turned you, 40 years ago. Yeah, I, the birth <laughs> records are. Yeah. <laughs> Unofficially, he just turned He's 40. He's on the Raphael for a call. For uh, sure. Birth birth plan where he was, they thought the Braves drafted him at 15 and he was really 27. <laughs> He's, uh, I think he was 22 and they thought he was 16 when he started playing in the minors. Birth certificates are complicated, more complicated than we like to think. Mm -hmm. Tomorrow, no complication needed. Uh, we won't mess it up for you. We start at 2 o'clock Central, 3 o'clock Eastern. And Bobby Carpenter's going to be. Will the Braves be NL East champions by the time we open the show tomorrow? That's Will the Aaron Judge hit a sexy second home run tonight? Sexy mm. second. Sexy or sixty? If not, both of these guys are sweating. Oh, now kick. Look how early they came to me. Now they're going to come back to me. Don't block the box. Do lock the locks. See ya. <laughs>